Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Hurry into Mattress Firm. For a limited time, save up to $500 when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $499 value. Or get up to 60% off America's top-rated brands, like Sealy Queen mattresses starting at $279.99 or Sleepies at $169.99. In stock for fast delivery, only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next... Ooh, four hours. I'm going to be your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we've been coming to you for the last 22 years. And I'll tell you something. We have talked about many things. UFOs, ghosts, hauntings, demons, exorcism, lake monsters... And the list goes on and on and on. However, this hour, I'm going to, you know, there's there's a way that you can actually make $50,000. Uh, do I have your interest? Okay, we're going to be talking to, to Chad Lewis. He's the author of Peppy, the Lake Monster of the Mississippi River. Now, um... Now that summer is finally here, it's time to plan that vacation. So grab your bathing suit and fishing pole and head out to search a mysterious U.S. serpent, a serpent that also happens to have a $50,000 reward for its capture. Now, in Chad's newest book, it takes an in-depth look into the legend of the creature that locals call Pepe, a mysterious serpent that is said to inhabit Lake Pepin and the Mississippi River. Joining me now is Chad Lewis, and he's going to tell us much more about Pepe, the lake monster of the Mississippi River. And Chad, welcome to the X-Zone. Hey, thank you for having me. Chad, where does your interest in the strange, the weird, the bizarre, and 
lake monsters come from? I blame it on my home state of Wisconsin. Uh-huh. When I grew up, I grew up not too far from one of the three UFO capitals of the world that our state claims to have. And when I was in high school, I heard about all these people seeing UFOs in a nearby town. Mm-hmm. I was just about to go off to college to study psychology. So I, I traveled to the town and started interviewing people about what they were seeing in the sky. And then throughout my career studying psychology, I started looking at what makes people believe in the strange and unusual. And I started lecturing on my findings, very statistical oriented stuff, very boring. You're glad you weren't there. But people in the audience that were there, they'd come up after the program and say, could you help me? I think my home's haunted or Mm. I saw something in the woods I can't explain. Could you help me investigate? So it really just blossomed from there. Tell me, when it comes to UFOs, why hasn't there been that all-inclusive proof yet that UFOs are real? Why do we get these grainy pictures? Why do we get these uh, non-credible sounding reports? What's the story behind the story when it comes to UFOs in your opinion? Well, I think it's the same thing that plagues a lot of different paranormal activity is Mm -hmm. that the grainy photos, the really bad video, the uh, crackpots who come out and report some of this. But I think that over the years, what I found is more questions than answers. Investigating my Mm -hmm. first UFO case 20 some years ago, I'm still left with more questions. Every time I think I get a theory to explain away something, I get a new case that puts me right back to square one. But I received that question a lot, not only with UFOs, where's the proof on Bigfoot Mm -hmm. or sea serpents, or why doesn't somebody have an indisputable proof of a haunting or a ghost? And, you know, it's very frustrating, as you know, in the, the field that when you're researching something that you can't actually prove or disprove, it gets very frustrating over the years. It certainly does, and I think that with the increased use of the Internet, there are more and more people who, now this is just my opinion, who are wanting to see or experience something so badly that whether or not they have the experience, an experience that is real, man, it goes up on the Internet, and there you have another case. I completely agree. And what I found over the years and through my research is Mm -hmm. that when people go to these places, whether it's a UFO hotspot or a, an alleged haunted area, and they think something's going to happen, it's much more likely that something will happen, whether they create it in their mind or they open themselves up to it. I don't know, but the reports are that when people go somewhere expecting, mm-hmm. it seems to follow format. All right, Chad, stand by. You and I have to take our first break. We'll be back in two minutes. Exxon Nation, our guest this hour is Chad Lewis. And uh, for over two decades, Chad Lewis has traveled the back roads of the world in search of the strange and unusual from tracking vampires in Transylvania to searching for the elusive monster of Loch Ness to trailing the dangerous trails through remote villages of Belize and searching for ghosts in Ireland's haunted castles. Our guest this hour, Chad, has scoured the earth in search of the paranormal. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break in two minutes, Exo Nation, as we continue talking this hour with Chad Lewis. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Mississippi Lake Monster. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Don't go away. 
Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. a disease that you would like to alleviate through a natural means? Have you been contacted by angels, ghosts, or even extraterrestrials and want to validate these experiences? Or would you simply like to speak with someone who can help you find your life's purpose? I'm Dr. Joseph Mara, and I'm offering my services free of charge for first-time clients contacting me during the month of April. These free consultations include angel card readings, guided meditations, life coaching, and energy healing. If you have always wanted to explore these types of experiences but were skeptical or simply could not afford them, then take advantage of this free special offer. Contact me through my website, aguidinglight, spelled L-I-T-E, dot com, to schedule your consultation today. Until then, I offer you love, light, and laughter. Explanation. Uh, Chad Lewis is my guest this hour. He's been featured on Discovery Channel's A Haunting, William Shatner's Weird or What, ABC's Scariest Places on Earth, and Monsters and Mysteries in America, along with being a frequent contributor to Ripley's Believe It or Not Radio. He has a master's degree in psychology. He's authored over 17 books on the supernatural and exclusively lectures on his fascinating findings. Now, this is what Chad believes in. The more bizarre the legend, the more likely it is that you will find him, Chad Lewis, there. His website is, uh, let me see, website is www.chadlewisresearch.com. And Chad, welcome back to the X-Zone. And, and I'd love to talk to you, Chad, if we could. 
this uh, this segment about Peppy, the lake monster of the Mississippi River. Tell us about Peppy. Certainly. Well, for starters, a lot of people have a little difficulty. It's a lake that's actually on the Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. It's a wide opening, about 22 miles long, nearly two miles wide. It separates the western portion of Wisconsin with the eastern borders of Minnesota. And dating back to the first Native Americans in the area, they believe that the waters are inhabited by some type of unknown sea serpent, if you will. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, now tell me, how frequently is Pepe spotted, and how credible, in your expert opinion, are those sightings? Well, the first sightings that we know of, as I said, the, the mound builders that were there were the first people there. We don't know mm-hmm. much about them, of course. The only way we gather the evidence is looking at their effigy mounds left behind, you know, these sacred burial grounds that are in the shape of animals usually seen best from the sky. Right. But once the Native Americans came in, a lot of the French explorers and fur traders came down and over and encountered them. One of the most famous was Father Louis Hennepin, who in the late 1600s reported seeing a huge serpent as big as a man's leg and seven to eight feet long inside uh, the Mississippi River near Lake Pepin. So we have sightings going back to the 1600s, but... It wasn't until the white pioneers started settling the area that a lot of the newspapers started covering the sightings that took place in the lake. I was just wondering if, uh, if the serpent mound that I believe is in Ohio is a part of this Indian legend uh, pertaining to the, the Mississippi Lake monster, Pepe. Yes, there were several of these serpent mounds throughout the Midwest. Mm-hmm. There was one down in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, not too far from Lake Pepin, where, which also is thought to have a, a lake monster. But um, unfortunately, that one was destroyed through you know, modern progression, if you will. Um, but yeah, a lot of these, we wonder if they were just happened to be in a serpent mm-hmm. form or if they were some type of marker or some type of communication that noted the natives interaction with these creatures because in Lake Pepin legend tells that the natives would only use the strongest canoes they could find in the lake. And that anytime someone went missing or was knocked over or drowned, they blamed it on the Pepe, the monster inside Lake Pepin. Wow. How did you discover the legend of Pepe? That's an interesting point because I had been researching other lakes and rivers and streams of sea serpents in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And during the 1800s, early 1900s, over a dozen of our lakes, rivers, and streams in Wisconsin were thought to be inhabited by these monsters, these lake beasts. And in 2008, while I was researching stuff for a different book, I ran across uh, Larry Nielsen's $50,000 reward for the capture of this creature in Lake Pepin. And I immediately got in contact with Larry, and that's when my research on Pepe began. How many people, to your knowledge, have actually seen Pepe in recent times? Yes. In more modern sightings that we have, we have about 15 confirmed sightings from people that believe they've seen it. Now, we assume that there are many more 
who don't report it or they just kind of throw away their sighting as mm -hmm. it must have been a submerged log or possibly a lateral wave or something else. It couldn't be a serpent. But we have well over a dozen in the last you know, 15, 20 years of people that have seen something. Have there been any investigations uh, looking for Pepe like there have been for Loch Ness Monster where you had a, an entire flotilla of boats using sonar trying to find the monster? Nothing yet. As of uh, such, mm -hmm. the story of Pepe or the legend of Pepe was nearly forgotten throughout history. Like many sea serpents throughout the U.S., the early 1900s were a terrible time for sightings that whether the media stopped reporting it or the people stopped seeing it, you can't find a lot of sightings in the 20s and 30s. Hmm. And then throughout the 60s on, it started to take off again in Lake Pepin, and it wasn't until 2008 when it got a lot of notoriety. Now, there have been several smaller expeditions one of which was done on Labor Day of 2009 when a scuba diver actually had a face-to-face, -face, if you will, encounter with a beast that he thought was peppy. But there have only been a handful of very small expeditions, not like you know, the Operation Deep Scan of Loch Ness years past. Now, now, taking the the consistency of the Mississippi River, it's it's muddy, it's dark. Uh, could this diver have actually come face to face with a giant catfish or a sturgeon? Certainly possible. Now, he was actually there in 2009, mm -hmm. Labor Day weekend. They set off on an expedition. They had several boats. They had their sonar going, and what happened was their sonar picked up a very large object underwater. And it didn't seem like it was a school fish for them. And the diver, who was already a bit hesitant because many of his diving friends said that the Mississippi, as you said, is full of very large mm -hmm. animals. Yeah. Sturgeon. Um, we know muskie are in there. Uh, alligator gar are right. in there. And who knows what else. So he was already a little bit shaky about going under. And he went under looking for this object. And as he finally got to the deep part, which in Lake Pepin, the deepest it gets is about 75 feet. As he got down there, a mm -hmm. funny sensation came over him where he said that his body just kind of went silent and a tinging. And all of a sudden he saw something black and big move toward him. And it seemed to have flushed its tail or something, created a huge vortex that sent him spinning underwater. At the right. same time, above ground, the filmmakers saw something about 30 feet away from where the diver saw it, and they saw something moving they couldn't explain. And as the diver caught his senses, he rushed up to the, the water and started screaming, get me out of here, it's mm -hmm. big, it's big. And to wow. this day, he thinks he had an encounter with something unknown. What does the scientific community say about all these legends, the folklore? Uh, is there any basis for the scientific community to actually take these sightings seriously? Well, I think a lot of the, the people that see these things or that the mm -hmm. scientists that on the outskirts study them believe that it is nothing more than a, a lake sturgeon or uh, a alligator gar or a large catfish. And a lot of these creatures right. can get up to lengths of nine feet tall, a couple hundred pounds. And if you're underwater mm -hmm. and a nine foot long, 300 pound sturgeon brushes up against you, 
for all intents and purposes, yep. that's going to seem like a sea serpent to you. It sure will. So I think they try to explain it away as a normal animal that is in there, not something that's undiscovered. You know, there, there's a Loch Ness Museum um, on Lake Champlain. There's a museum for Champ. Uh, let me see. Um, in Okanagan, Lake Okanagan, Ogopogo, there, there's a museum to its honor. Is there any type of museum or recognition of Pepe along the Mississippi River? Nothing as of yet. And that's the weird thing is that most of these towns that have a paranormal mm -hmm. legend attached to them, you know, they try to promote it and bring in tourists. And Lake Pepin didn't do that for the longest time. Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today. Only a mattress firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. And even now, after the 2008 reward, many people in the community that I've spoken with still don't want to promote it as a, a hotbed for Pepe because it is a very heavily touristed area. A lot of boaters are there and right. vacationers. So they want to keep it family friendly. And they think the inclusion of a sea serpent is going to actually turn people off to Lake Pepin, whereas I believe that people will flock there trying to see this creature. Well, sure, it works for Roswell, New Mexico with the alleged crash in 1947. It works for Bigfoot in the, uh, you know, the western part of the states and Canada. So why wouldn't they want a little bit of extra revenue being generated on a legend, and a legend is part of history? Well, that's where it really sprang in with the a local businessman who owns not only a, a hotel right on the lake, but also a, an 1800s replica paddle boat that gives tours on the mm. lake. He was watching a documentary one day on the Loch Ness Monster, and he noticed the similarities. He had just heard about an 1871 account of people seeing something the size between an elephant and a rhinoceros that moved through Lake Pepin with great rapidity. And he was watching this and he thought, why are we not focusing on our unique history? The only difference between Pepe and Loch Ness, he thought, was that Pepe was, uh, Loch Ness was universally mm -hmm. known, where Pepe, nobody had heard of it. So that's where he came up with the idea that they should promote this as part of the town's history. Whether it's true or not, you know, I don't know if he knows, or if he's made up his mind yet, but he certainly feels that this is a great part of their their local history. And I'm sure the the members of the First Nation tribe also agree with him. Yes, of course. Many of the Native Americans of the the first settlers there, mm -hmm. you know, uh, dating back to the 1830s, their land was taken from them with some treaties, right. and they moved out of the area, but. Yeah, they still believe that it celebrates their history as well. That, of course, you know, serpents and lake monsters play a big part in a lot of the native creation stories of the serpents of the water battling with the beast of the sky. And there are stories of the beast shooting up water yeah. and rocks and the, 
the beast up a flying beast shooting down rocks on these serpents and engaging in wars. So I think a lot of people are seeing it as something that is unique and something that may just bring people there. Chad, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation. Chad Lewis is our special guest. We're talking about Pepe, the lake monster of the Mississippi River. His website is www.chadlewisresearch.com. And Chad and I will be back on the other side of this news break. Don't go away. Are you considering calling a psychic to read your situation? Then consider David Champion, a psychic medium for more than 20 years with thousands of readings under his belt. David Champion will make you feel comfortable. He has proven to be honest and accurate. He's a straight shooter. There's no guesswork. What he sees is what you get. While he is a medium, most of the calls focus on relationships, not only love, but work, school, neighbors, and more. Need help with finding a job and preparing for the interview? Are you dealing with people who are obstacles in your path? For more information, go to davidchampion.com, $1.50 per minute, paid by credit card, with a minimum of 30 minutes. For your reading with David Champion, call 1-877-702-8598. That's 1-877-702-8598. Now you can dial in to listen to the Exxon Radio Show from anywhere in the world with Rob McConnell 24-7, 365 by dialing 213-401-0080. That's 213-401-0080. If you have a mobile phone or landline, the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is now at your beck and call at 213-401-0080. That's 213-401-0080, 24-7. 365. Chad Lewis is my special guest this hour. Exonation www.chadlewisresearch.com is his website. Along with Noah Voss, he's the author of Pepe, the Lake Monster of the Mississippi River. Once again, his website, chadlewisresearch.com. What about other paranormal legends that may be attached to the lake as well as the Mississippi River? Have you investigated or heard of any others? Yes, there are several others that seem to add to the mystique of Mm -hmm. the, the Mississippi River, of course, and Lake Pepin. One of my favorite is a place in Maiden Rock, and it's the tragic tale of Princess Winona, who was a Native American woman who was said to have been um, forced to marry a man she did not love. And instead of marrying him, she went over to a 400-foot cliff and jumped off and ended her life at the bottom of the rocks on that cliff. And ever since this story originated, which we've dated it back to, the early 1800s, maybe even the late 1700s, people have seen what appears to be this uh, spectral image of this woman jumping off of a cliff. Mm -hmm. Others will hear her death song that she allegedly sang 
as they pass by Maiden Rock, which is a, a well-known feature of rock on the Wisconsin side of the Mississippi. People will hear the song of this maiden, yet nobody can be found. And those who go to Maiden Rock, even in the water, just mm -hmm. get a sense that something's not right, that they're picking up on something that this shouldn't be there. You know, there are many similarities between the story that you're telling me, uh, the legend that you're talking to me about, and our very own Niagara Falls, Ontario, where there where there where there's a rich history of of uh, First Nations, and uh, there's also a history of a maiden involved in many of the legends. There's a history of uh, of a of a of a serpent in the in the base of the falls. And here's another interesting similarity. Father Hennepin was there as well and uh, believed in this legend. Yeah, we may have Father Hennepin to thank for many yeah. of these stories and whether you know, he embellished them or not, we don't know, but it was his job to write down mm -hmm. a lot of the the wildlife and the plant yep. life, and he ended up taking down some folklore as well. I, I'm just wondering if he used the folklore as a way to bring people towards his religion, Catholicism. You know, he's got monsters, and, you know, uh, they are there, and if you believe in our God and our religion, you will be protected. It's a bit of a marketing tool for way back yeah. then, but you've got to think of all, all possibilities. Certainly, I mean, a scare tactic yep. seems to be one of the best things you can use to get people. So, yeah, that's a great <laughs> point. I hadn't thought of uh, Father Hennepin using it to his recruiting, if you will. Mm -hmm. Well, we know that works today in, in religion as well, so we'll just leave that for another show. Um, on your expeditions, what methods have you tried to capture proof of, of Pepe? I've been on two official expeditions and dozens of day and weekend trips to Lake mm -hmm. Pepin. My first expedition was in 2011, the second one uh, much longer in 2013, and we ran the gamut of things using. We had our sonar going, we had right. underwater cameras and mm -hmm. video going, we had um, people with uh, a makeshift chum and fishing trying to capture it. We even were in the water ourselves looking to use ourselves as some sort of bait to try to lure this thing in. So we tried to capture everything we could because we really, when dealing with the unknown, we really don't know what's going yeah. to work. And it's hard to rule out something as being too weird and too bizarre when you're dealing with the weird and bizarre. And as a, as a credible researcher and as a psychologist, um, did you check with local law enforcement, uh, sheriff's office, or, or even the Coast Guard to see if they had any reports? Yes, we talked not only with local law enforcement, but with the local mm -hmm. DNR, the Department of you know, Natural, Natural Resources. Resources yeah. And again, a lot of them felt that it was nothing more than a common animal that you would find, or fish or sturgeon, mm -hmm. things we'd mentioned before. But what I found is that a lot of the fishermen and women that I spoke with, that they had had some reports or knew of the legend. And these are people that I would not think would be interested in the paranormal, but as we were on our expeditions, mm -hmm. a lot of the boats that we approached, when we would ask them if they had any weird sightings or anything, they'd say, no, we haven't had any, but we actually have our camera right here just in case. 
And maybe it was the reward that spawned all the interest, but I found it interesting that so many people were preparing for it, even though that wasn't the emphasis of their expedition. You know, they were fishing or sailing or water skiing because Lake Pepin is the birthplace of water skiing. It was where water skiing was invented back in 1928, which seems kind of ironic that it would also have a lake monster. Uh, uh, to your knowledge, what is the largest size of a sturgeon or a catfish that can actually be found in the waters where Pepe is said to have lived or does live? We're looking at things around eight feet long, uh-huh. a couple hundred pounds. That's the catfish and the sturgeon. Mm-hmm. I have a report from 1927 near near Lake Pepin on the Mississippi River where people are terrified of a large alligator gar that was said to be well over nine feet long, at least 250 pounds, and it would tear through all the nets. And they would find giant fish in the Mississippi that were bit in half, Mm -hmm. and they thought it was caused by this creature that had scales like armor. So it's possible this creature's there as well. And as I mentioned earlier, that if a nine-foot, 300-pound beast roams up against you and you're underwater... I mean, I can honestly see how that might be mistaken for a sea serpent. You and me both. Um, Now, Lake Pepin isn't the only location where the serpent has been sighted. Where else along the Mississippi have people seen odd sightings that you, as a researcher, can say, you know what, that sighting could be Pepe? Yes, what I found interesting is that all the way from Lake Pepin south all the way until the river dumps out into the ocean, we have sightings, most of them from the late 1800s, early 1900s. Now, what I found interesting in researching these and digging up probably two dozen more sightings throughout the Mississippi River is that there seems to be a lack of consistency with the descriptions that some people see a creature and it looks like a giant worm, you know, 20 inches in diameter, Mm -hmm. 20 to 30 feet long where others see it and it's more of a a long neck type beast like you would think of the Loch Ness Monster, you know, plesiosaur type beast. So we get all these different sightings too that makes me wonder if they're seeing the same creature or several different creatures that are inhabiting the Mississippi. How far upstream from where the Mississippi empties into the uh, Gulf of Mexico, are these sightings? And is it possible the, the creature that you just talked about with a 30-inch girth and, uh, you know, 30 feet long could be nothing but a giant-sized eel? That's one of the theories out there because these uh, beasts and these fish are mm-hmm. coming up. The Asian carp we have very difficult problems with in Minnesota and Wisconsin because right. they're making their way up the river. There was a fear for a while that bull sharks were making their way up from the ocean and had made it all the way up to Minnesota. So it's quite possible that what people are seeing is exactly something that's not native to Lake Pepin, Mm -hmm. but something that has made its way there. And in today's world, we know many people get snakes and large snakes and alligators and crocodiles as pets. And then when they suddenly discover that these things actually grow... They get too big for their pet, mm-hmm. and they have to dump them out. So we looked look into that possibility that people were seeing you know, giant snakes or possibly alligators that were once pets. To wrap it up, 
what do you believe that Pepe is? And um, should people be weary of what's lurking in the waters of the Mississippi and Lake Pepin? Well, after two expeditions and all of my research, mm-hmm. most of the time when I talk about paranormal phenomena, I usually give it a 50-50. That 50% it yep. exists, 50% it doesn't. Namely, that's just because I don't know that, you know, I'm left with more questions. But I think with Lake Pepin, I'm, I'm surprised to find myself saying that I think something is in Lake Pepin. Now, whether that's a alligator gar or a large sturgeon or catfish, I don't know, but I think these sightings are not half-submerged logs. I don't think they're lateral waves. I think something big is causing people to see a serpent-like beast in Lake Pepin, but what it is, I don't know. And as far as it being dangerous, Larry Nielsen, who offered the reward of it, thinks that it's friendly, and so do other people who have seen it that I've spoken with. Hmm. They think that it's mainly... uh, living off of other small fish and that it's never attacked somebody that we know of. It's never been aggressive that we know of. So they have no reason to fear it. And as I mentioned, it's a big touristy town. And Larry Nielsen always says that when you go there, even if you don't see Pepe, you're going to have an amazing vacation. So I recommend people don't take my word for it one way or the other. They go there and dip their toes in the lake and decide for themselves. (laughs) After, after investigating the paranormal and researching the paranormal for the many years you have, Chad, in your opinion, what is the strangest phenomenon out there that you've investigated? Ah, that's a great, great question. Um, strangest, I like the, the oddball stuff. Now, of course, we all get reports, mini reports of your traditional haunting mm-hmm. or Bigfoot sightings, yeah. but I like those uh, sightings of things that shouldn't exist or don't exist. And I, I really have come to find, you know, UFOs or extraterrestrial biological entities or people who see what we would consider, you know, in the 50s Martians mm-hmm. as some of the most bizarre. In Minnesota, they have a case of someone who saw what appeared to be little beer can aliens back in the 1960s. So I love those cases. And I think those are the most bizarre where we get away from people who see the grays or the praying mantis type or the reptilian. And they start to see these creatures that we've really never heard of other people seeing before. What do you think of the possibility that there is a government conspiracy, uh, conspiracy aloof to suppress any and all information pertaining to extraterrestrials visiting this planet? What's your take on it? Well, with the NSA listening in right now, thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's fascinating that so many other countries have declassified a lot of UFO evidence, mm-hmm. yet for the United States, we haven't. So many other places have come out at least a little bit with what they know or maybe right. what they want us to think they know. But I think, and, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, that we've been taught so many or thrown so many different explanations, take Roswell or anything else that the -hmm. truth we may never know. And it's just, I think the general public now groups them together as just all being a hoax or, you know, they have no idea because we've been fed so many different stories, but you know, I'd love to hear what you think too. 
Well, over the many years doing the show and having the opportunity of speaking to so many different people in the field, Stanton Friedman, Stephen Bassett, Nick Hope, uh, Nick Pope, I mean, uh, Nick Redfern, and the list goes on and on and on, then talking to different astronauts and members of the military, I, I see two distinct camps. I see one camp who's, that screams cover-up, conspiracy, because the government will not release information that they, the UFO community, believe the government has. Then on the other side of the fence, I see a group of professionals who uh, are involved with national security, protecting the very people who are claiming that the government of the United States and other governments of, of the world are withholding information on extraterrestrials. So if, if you put the both sides into a mixing bowl and very gently add two eggs, a bit of uh, vanilla, and uh, stir gently, you come up with a hypothesis that I have that I've, that I've maintained for several years. Due to, the, due to the lack, the concrete evidence, the smoking gun of the existence of extraterrestrials, I believe that the majority of what people are seeing have a military connection, something to do with national security, something to do with protecting freedom and the democracy that we all love. There, are, there, is a, there is a percentage that will always remain a mystery. But I'll tell you something, I myself sleep very well at night knowing that there's men and women around the world who at a moment's notice are willing to give the ultimate in order to protect freedom and democracy. And I think that there has to come a point where the believers in the conspiracy theories and the cover-ups back off. Because if it is a matter of national security, we don't need the guys who that we're being protected against knowing what we've got. So I see both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I firmly agree with that. I think that was well put. And I think, again, it's that looking at the evidence until something comes out. Yeah. I don't know what else we can really do. You know, it's, it's just like Bigfoot. How come nobody's ever found a cadaver uh, or a carcass of this mythological creature? Uh, demonic possession. Is it real or is it a, a, a psychological problem that's manifesting in, in different ways? Could it be telekinesis? Could it be some unknown mental capacity that we have yet to discover that each and every one of us has? I don't know the answers, my friend. But stand by. You and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Chad Lewis is my special guest. Chad's website is www.chadlewisresearch.com. And like I've said many times, Chad, to my listeners around the world, I want to believe, but I want to see the proof before I start believing. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this short break. Don't go away. With each new extreme weather event or terrorist act, it becomes increasingly obvious that we live in uncertain and challenging times. We all buy car insurance. Why not collapse and catastrophe insurance? 
Matthew Stein, an MIT-trained engineer and green builder, has written two outstanding books to help people prepare, plan for, and deal with everything from minor situations lasting a few days to full-on collapse. Matt's first book, When Technology Fails, is a manual for self-reliance, sustainable living, and surviving the long emergency. This massive book covers the gamut from first aid and emergency preparedness to alternative healing, renewable energy, primitive living skills, and 18th century technologies that could be critical to your comfort and survival in a long-lasting crisis. Matt's second book, When Disaster Strikes, is a comprehensive emergency preparedness handbook and survival guide. When Disaster Strikes is an essential item for every family's go-bag. Both books are available at all usual sources. There's a wealth of totally free information posted at whentechfails.com and author-signed copies may be purchased at mattstein.com. That's www.whentechfails.com and www.mattstein.com. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Chad Lewis has been my guest this hour, Exonation. He is the author of Pepe, the Lake Monster of the Mississippi River, along with Noah Voss. Their web, uh, his, Chad's website is www.chadlewisresearch.com. And Chad, where can people get copies of Pepe, the Lake Monster of the Mississippi River? Sure. If you can find a bookstore anymore, you can get it there. Otherwise, <laughs> online on my website, Amazon, wherever you go, you can uh, pick it up. What do you think the future of Pepe is, my friend? Well, I'd like to see somebody capitalize on that reward and mm -hmm. capture something that will get them $50,000 in the, their bank account. But I think that it's going to grow as, as your show and others start reporting on it, more and more people are going to keep an eye open for it. And I hope we get a lot more sightings and finally solve this mystery. But yet, part of me hopes that it continues on forever. Chad, before we say so long, and it's been a great hour having you, we'd love to have you back in the future. What is your opinion of that very famous haunting called the Amityville Haunting? Yes. Well, many of your listeners should know that that's a little before my time. I haven't personally been there to investigate. Mm -hmm. But what I find fascinating, not only with the DeFeo family's story and the whole Amityville, which 
There's now two new documentaries that have recently come out on it, but that they're, they're tied into these places that have a story of suicides or deaths or serial murders or gangster hits, mm-hmm. all these things that end abruptly that seem to force maybe leave a, some type of imprint on the location. But as far as I know on the case that the most recent owners have not reported anything, but no that may be that again, it's certain people are open to it or certain people attract it. I don't know. What is your take on it? My take is, uh, you know, after, after researching it from the analytical side and seeing the different uh, documents pertaining to the Defoe family, pertaining to the, the real estate deal, pertaining to their financial records. I just think it was a, um, a real estate deal gone bad and they had to do something to get out of it. A best-selling book and a movie certainly wouldn't hurt. Oh, it didn't. I bet you it didn't. What do you think in, in the future people will see proof of when it comes to the paranormal? Do you think there will be anything concrete in the very near future? Well, you've done this show long enough and talked to enough researchers that you know there's a daily grind and a lot of burnout. Um, Looking back at some of these cases that go back hundreds of years that we haven't solved, I don't have high expectations that we're going to solve it any time in the future. And maybe we're not supposed to. I don't know. But as I look at my research, Mm -hmm. I don't see it coming to an end anytime soon. Well, that's good because, uh, you know, people like you who are scholars, who actually know how to perform the, the research, who, who look at it, the, the, the topic and the subject in a, in a very professional manner, are required in this industry, in this field. Because there's a lot of people out there who, based on the information that they read in what I call the world's largest septic tank, the Internet, Believe they've become experts on it, and in my opinion, these people are dangerous. They're they're more of an they're more of a danger than than the monster itself, or the haunting, or or the or whatever it is they're they're investigating. A little bit of knowledge is too dangerous. Yes, and that's why you see, I think, especially with ghost groups, that many of them mm-hmm. have popped up in the last year or two, doing home investigations for people when they really as you said, have no experience yeah. in this field. Chad, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. Come back and see us again. You've got an open invitation. Hey, keep an eye out. I will. Exonation. Chad Lewis has been our guest. He is the co-author with Noah Voss of Pepe, the Lake Monster of the Mississippi River, www.chadlewisresearch.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.